Call of Duty Warzone. We're not talking team deathmatch here. Even in Warzone, like, the objective is to win. I will give you that. But what determines raw skill is your KD. That is why most Call of Duty professionals look to the KD Mm. to determine how good a player is. Right, right, right. But here's the thing. You know, I feel like, like you said, the goal is to win. So would I rather be, you know, Tom Brady and have these championships, have all this glory from victory? Or would I rather be a stat compiler like Jameis Winston, for example, like kind of how I view you when it comes to Call of Duty? Like, yeah, you're getting kills. You you're, you get kills. Like, I'm not going to cap. I'm not going to front on you. I know you're out there fragging. But it comes from the amount of games you've played you know it comes from just just putting up these stats but when it comes down to it when it comes down to being in the top 10 of a game of warzone there's just like a clutch gene and and i I just don't know if i would expect you to understand what i'm talking about right now (laughs) yeah i mean winning is a team thing you know in Mm. all sports and video games if your team is not performing up to you know what you expect them to be performing at the level that they need to be performing at then you're not gonna win and that that's my case like obviously i'm the best player on the squad (laughs) like there there's no debate about it if you're listening ben sucks at warzone it's just clear cut he does have more wins i will give him that but like i just said wins is Mm. a is a factor of the team and how well the team is playing together and when i have to carry my teammates on my back you know I take that burden away from them because I'm the leader. I got to carry them in each and every single game. It it just sucks. Like, you know, it just sucks having to carry in Call of Duty so much. Like, I just want my teammates to be there and step up. Saying your back be hurting from the carry? Yeah, my my shit be breaking, honestly. (laughs) I be getting off at night and I got to, you know, crack my back and shit. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. But I just have noticed that since, you know, I've been taking a break to to play other games recently that your win category has sort of stayed stagnant, hasn't moved up. You know, I jumped on today. I noticed mine was mine was climbing. So it's just like, yeah, it is a team stat. But if you get them independently of the team, I don't know. There, there's something to yeah. it. It's, it's a thing about having the heart. Yeah, of the I, I mean, like, but, but we could leave it at that. Nah, like, I mean, I also have a social life, so haven't been playing mm. as much. We'll leave it at that. Big social guy. Got you, got you. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 74 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, as always, joined by Joey Carrion. You know what? Hold up, hold up. I think we need to switch the vibe up here for a minute, Joey. They said we couldn't do it. They said we'd never amount to shit. But now look who's laughing. Let's go. DFS Dose Podcast. We out here. 500 followers. No gimmicks, no cat. The one and only. Joey Carrion. Benny H from New York. God sent us here to break down these fantasy plays, you heard? said we couldn't do it now we sailing to the money let's get it um you feeling that joey you feeling the vibe right now we out here facts bro 
No gimmicks, no cap. 500 followers on Twitter. Shout out to the listeners. Only took us a good 70 episodes plus to get here, but we do appreciate the support. You got anything you want to say to the people out there? Um, It's a, it's a big milestone. Next milestone, 1,000 followers. And then, you know, keep on climbing from there. With You know, with podcasting and all this, it's a soul grind. You know, we're just going to mm-hmm. just going to keep on providing people with, you know, some good content, our opinions that I feel like are actually you know, really good and have actually do have some relevance in the in the fantasy community, especially when it comes to DFS. Obviously, there's no sports on right now and no NFL. Could be no NFL season either, so see what happens with that. But shout out shout out to everybody that's followed us. Let's keep it going. Steady grind, good way to put it. I think the first five hundred is the hardest five hundred to gather. It's a saturated market, like you said, but you know, we're out here, we're grinding, we're growing. And uh, and I think that the next 500 is going to come quicker. Yeah, at least that's how I feel. So on today's episode, we're going to sort of build on what we did last week. Last week, we talked about 10 players to avoid at their current ADPs. You can find that episode uh, in this very feed on today's show. We're going to be going over 10 players that we like at their current ADPs, players that we really expect to beat their current ADPs is going to be the focus of this show. But before we get into any of that, Joey, tell the people how they can support the podcast. As always, you can support the DFS Dose by subscribing or following us on every major podcast platform, which includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Podcast Addict if you are on Android. If you would like, you can leave a rating and a review. Five stars only, of course. And then you can also follow us on Twitter. Like we just mentioned, we just hit 500 followers. And I swear if we lose a couple followers, I'll be so pissed. So go ahead, follow the Twitter at the DFS Dose. You can also follow us on Instagram at the DFS Dose as well. And then you can subscribe to our YouTube channel if you just want to see like the highlights of the podcast or the clips per se. We post those on the YouTube as well. So the YouTube is at the DFS Dose. So same name across all platforms, easy to find us and easy to keep up to date with, you know, our, our latest takes in clips from Ben and myself. Absolutely. Without any further ado, Joey, why don't you kick us off here with your first player that you expect to smash their ADP in 2020? I think it's uh, safe to say that we're both on the same guy for our number one player that we expect to severely outperform their Mm. ADP. None other than Mr. Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton, a.k.a. Godius, a.k.a. Young Slay. I think that he's like the official player of the DFS Dose podcast at this point. 100%. He's definitely the, you know, the, the sponsored player per se. And it'd be lit to have him on one day. That's definitely a goal, I feel like. That's, that's a that, goal that, for that, sure. That would be so hype to have Darius Slayton <laughs> on the podcast just to do like an interview or something. Something uh, that we don't normally do, but... But yeah, Darius Slayton, wide receiver one for the Giants, just an absolute beast. What is he? Six four, runs a four four. Had a had a pretty good season last year with Daniel Jones. I think they'll grow together in year two. I'm not I'm not too high on Sterling Shepard or Golden Tate. I think he'll easily surpass them on the depth chart. And then Evan Ingram. You know, he's he's always hurt, so you can never rely on Ingram to even be there for a whole season. With that being said, Darius Slayton at being the wide receiver 43 uh what is that like a low end like a high-end wide receiver four he could easily finish a year as a wide receiver too i feel like yeah i i agree with that completely 
it is a crowded team, you know, just to play devil's advocate. Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, they're all going to get theirs in terms of targets. But Slayton, to me, does something that nobody else on that team does. You know, he's a deep down the field threat. You know, he's a home run threat. He's a monster when it comes to that downfield ball. So it's something that Golden Tate doesn't do. You know, he's going to be eating up the short intermediate routes. Sterling Shepard is best suited as a slot receiver too, who's going to get kicked out, you know, sort of to compensate for the fact that they have Golden Tate on the team. You know, Saquon Barkley going to be low, low dot targets. Evan Ingram, middle of the field stuff. Darius Slayton has his role secured. And it's the role that you want, especially, you know, for myself in best ball, it's going to be like, yeah, I want those guys who can pop off for massive weeks. Like we've seen Darius Slayton do. So when it comes to all those Giants wide receivers, and they're all kind of going in the same range right around, you know, those pick picks 100 to like 120, all three of them are going. And uh, Slayton's going slightly ahead of the others, and I think that he should be going well ahead of them. He, he's really the only guy in that group I'm interested in. Yeah, Darius Slayton, I feel like, is going to have a monster year for his next NFL season. Um, He had eight touchdowns last year on only 48 catches, which is obviously, you know, extremely efficient for him. He had 740 receiving yards, averaged 15 yards a catch, like you mentioned. He's just a downfield threat that could go off for two, three touchdowns in any given week. And I think there's just tremendous upside with him. Like, he only started nine games last year. He'd even play for the first month and a half of the year last year because, like we just mentioned, they had all those guys healthy and and playing ahead of him. But when he finally got his opportunity, he capitalized. So I, I love Darius Slayton. No more Eli Manning for half the season. You know, Danny Dimes taking another step forward, hopefully. Uh, New coaching staff as well. Yeah. True, true. Let's transition to the next guy here uh, from the current Giants wide receiver one to a former Giants wide receiver one in Odell Beckham Jr. He is going around pick 30 uh, as the wide receiver 11. And and it comes down to this. You know, it's hard for somebody to smash, quote unquote, smash ADP when they're going in the top 30 picks. But with Odell, it's really relative to the players he's going around. The reason that I like him so much at this at this spot, it's that outside of the top 10 wide receivers being drafted, I don't think anybody else has a really realistic chance to finish as the wide receiver one overall in fantasy other than Odell Beckham, who's going as the wide receiver 11. And, and even some of the guys going above him, DJ Moore, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, none of these guys I think have the ceiling that Odell Beckham has. And I get it. People are down on him. He had a bad year last year. The entire Browns offense disappeared after being hyped up all offseason last year, but I think that people are starting to forget that Odell Beckham Jr. is arguably the most talented wide receiver in the NFL. Like you could make the argument that he's more talented than Michael Thomas, than Devontae Adams, than Julio Jones, than anybody in the league. And yeah, he did struggle, but before that, he was a top ten wide receiver in fantasy points per game every single year since he entered the league, including three years in which he was top three in fantasy points per game. So At the wide receiver 11 price tag, I'm buying as much as I can. He's my second highest owned player in best ball drafts, and I don't see that changing at any point. You can never convince me that Odell, you know, isn't a great pick. I think he is also a smash at his current ADP. Like you said, wide receiver 11, he's not even being drafted in the top 10. When he has several top 10 and, like you said, top three finishes under his belt already, 
I guess the only cons is that the Browns offense does have a lot of talent on it, a lot of miles to feed, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, and then with uh, Kevin Stefanski, their new head coach, they're going to want to establish the running game with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, so that also kind of puts a, a damper on Odell's outlook, but I still like him as potentially a top six, top seven wide receiver, so like you said, it's not quote-unquote smashing but if he beats his ADP by five or six spots, I feel like that's a steal. Yeah, and the mouths to feed, that is something to think about. But my my real major concern with Odell Beckham is like, you know, this is a guy who is going out partying during playoff weeks. Do I trust that he hasn't been partying during quarantine? Is he a big is he a big candidate for the old COVID questionable tag come Sunday mornings more than maybe some other guys? Yes or no? <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not really into projecting who's going to get <laughs> coronavirus and whatnot. So that's fair. That's I can't fair. really answer that, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see come the season. Who knows? Maybe he'll get it before the season starts. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say let's hope, but, um, it would be better than, than during yeah. the season. You got another guy for me. Who's going to be ADP. Yeah. So my guy is also a wide receiver and he goes by the name of John Brown. For the Buffalo Bills. We were discussing this before we started recording, but he's being drafted as the wide receiver 38 on drafter specifically, but a lot of other sites have him around the ADP like of of wide receiver like 48 to like 53. So there's a clear disparity from drafters and other websites, you know, depending on where you draft or the listeners draft. But either way, like if you're getting John Brown as you know, let's just say a wide receiver 50 or wide receiver 51, like a, you know, like a wide receiver four, wide receiver five for your best ball team. He will just, oh my God, he will just smash that ADP. You do remember that they added Stefan Diggs, yes? Yeah, so his production will dip. That's one of the things that I do have written down. His production will obviously dip due to Stefan Diggs, right? But I try and spin that around and look look at it as a positive. He won't be facing teams cornerback ones. Stephon Diggs will get that treatment. He will still be out there on two wide receiver sets. Josh Allen, while he was 21st in pass attempts, he threw a deep ball at the sixth highest rate in the NFL. So the Bills are looking to push the ball down the field. And that's what John Brown specializes in, is taking the top off the defense. 115 targets last year. Even if that dips to 100 you know, maybe even like his floor of 80, 85 targets, he'll still smash his current ADP in that uh, Bills offense that likes to throw the ball deep a lot, especially with Josh Allen, big arm quarterback at the helm of the Bills offense. So give me all the John Brown. You know, I'm I'm with the take. Uh, I like the point about, you know, potentially the offense being opened up for John Brown with the addition of Steph Diggs. I mean, the targets are going down. There's There's no way to debate that, but the efficiency could go up. Like you said, he'll be facing team's number two corners. He's going to get some of the attention drawn away. Steph Diggs is also a pretty efficient deep ball receiver, but you know, John Brown, that's kind of his specialty where Steph Diggs can be used in really any kind of way, I think. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all about the John Brown and, and I'm bullish on the bills offense in general. You know, John Brown is a good wide receiver too. That's, that's kind of where he should be in an mm-hmm. NFL team. He shouldn't be a team's wide receiver one, but if he's your team's wide receiver two, 
that's really a perfect situation, I think, for him. So I, I agree with this take as well. Yeah, like you just said, he's a perfect wide receiver too. He had over a thousand yards last year, had I think like six touchdowns, so a good amount of touchdowns. And if he can get that, I mean, even if even if that dips a little bit, that's, you know, a wide receiver two you know, high-end wide receiver three, and he's being drafted as a wide receiver four, low-end wide receiver five. So just a, just an all-around smash, in my opinion. And like Joey said, you can get him later on sites besides drafters, but on drafters specifically, John Brown is going at pick 92.5, right in the same exact vicinity as my next guy, going at 92.7. So within 0.2 of a pick of one another is Brandon Cooks, who's the wide receiver 39 on drafters. A couple days ago, I posted on Twitter my, my top 10 most owned players in best ball. Brandon Cooks was on there. I caught a little bit of flack for that, and I guess I'm not sure why. If you take last year out of it, he had four seasons where he averaged over 75 receptions, over 1,100 yards, over seven touchdowns per season for four straight years over three different offenses. And, and people say that he's benefited from playing with elite quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Jared Goff, maybe not so much, but the 2018 Rams offense was certainly an elite offense at least. And the fun isn't going to stop now. Okay, now he's going to the Texans where he's going to be at worst Deshaun Watson's 1B to Will Fuller's 1A in an offense that just vacated, what, 150, 160 targets in the form of an Mm -hmm. egregious DeAndre Hopkins trade. So maybe I'm alone in this take, but you know, I don't see what's stopping Cooks from being the real 1A to Will Fuller's 1B. Everybody loves Will Fuller's talent. You know, I do as well. But it's time to get real, right? He's never had 50 catches in an NFL season. He's never reached 700 yards in an NFL season. He's been in the league since 2016. He's never had eight touchdowns. He's missed five games or more in three out of his four seasons. Will Fuller is an injury concern. Brandon Cooks, yeah, I mean, he's had concussions. Maybe he's an injury concern as well, but at least he has a track record to prove it. This offense is vacating a ton of open targets. If we're talking about pick 92, mid-7th, 8th round, I think there's a chance that Brandon Cooks obliterates that as the the go-to option for Deshaun Watson in this offense. How do you feel about that? I mean, I'm right there with you. I agree. Like, he is the wide receiver one. Let's not get that wrong. He is the clear-cut wide receiver one. Will Fuller is the wide receiver two. And then they don't have much behind him. I'm not a huge Kenny Stills guy. I know some people are. I just don't think Kenny Stills is that great of a wide receiver. And then they have some other guys below Kenny Stills like Kiki Kuti, but not too worried about them. But all in all, Brandon Cooks as, you know, like a wide receiver four, which is what he's being drafted at right now, a high-end wide receiver four for best ball. Yeah. He's going to smash this ADP. You know, he started 12 or more games in each of the last four years, even with his injury concern, like his concussion concerns. He he actually started 11 games last year. So 11, 11 plus in every single year for the last five years. Uh, I, I think Brandon Cooks is a great pick at, at that price tag. So give me all Brandon Cooks too. Yeah, I mean, Joey, Jerry Judy is going right after him. Like if you think that Jerry Judy and Brandon Cooks are going to have similar production this year, I'm trying to draft in every single league that you're in. And that's all <laughs> I'm going to say. Give me your next guy here. <laughs> yeah, so my next guy is a running back. So, you know, switching it up off the wide receivers. and. He is on my favorite team, the Patriots. So I think I think we know where we're going with this. Uh, James Michelle? White. Oh, no, okay. no shot. So Sony Michelle was on my players to avoid list. James White is on my player 
that I think is going to outperform his ADP. And currently his ADP is the RB36 on drafters, you know, going right at 92.6. So he's right in between John Brown and Brandon Cooks. So he's being drafted as a high or as a low end RB3, actually, you know, like in the last year before the RB4s, right? James White has finished above his ADP in the last three years. He finished as the RB7 in 2018, Ben. 56 plus catches in each of the last four years. And I know what everybody's going to say when they hear this. Tom Brady checks down a lot. That's how James White got most of his production, right? With Tom Brady. New quarterback, Jared Siddham, coming into the fold this season for the Patriots. The Patriots system won't change with Brady leaving. They are still going to be an efficient offense. While they might not be as efficient as they would be with Brady, they still will be efficient. Their offense is all about taking what the defense gives you. And if the defense is going to give James White those five, six yard, seven yard, you know, catches the the short routes, Jared Stidham is gonna eat that up. He learned he learned from the best. He he learned from the best. He's gonna use James White as a safety blanket this year. I'm expecting at least fifty plus catches from James White. Probably like four to five receiving touchdowns. Book it. He's gonna he's gonna be a clear cut RB two this year. Bull take. <laughs> yeah, this is this is where we finally start to disagree a little bit. So my argument against James White isn't really an argument against anything you said because I pretty much believe everything you said to be true. But I do think that the touchdowns as a whole are going to come down with the Patriots' offense. I think they're going to score less. Now I don't think that that is going to impact James White reception numbers per se. I do think that it's probably pretty likely that. The target share is pretty consolidated between James White, Julian Edelman, maybe Nikhil Harry if he takes that next step. James White is just, for me, and best ball specifically on this point, is not the type of player I'm usually drafting because usually I'm hammering running backs early. So by the time yeah. I get to this this range, you know, James White would be my running back four. You know, I want somebody who can outperform or at least has the upside, I think, to break into my lineup as my running back for often, you know, where I think that James White, you know, he'll score a decent amount in terms of floor, but I just don't know what his ceiling is. And, you know, maybe some of the guys around him have a better ceiling or some of the guys going a little bit later than him. We talked last week about why I don't like Raheem Mostert. You know, you can get Tevin Coleman about 20 picks later than, than James White. I would rather wait on the safe guy and then target the guys a little bit later as my running back four and fives. Uh, you know, Tevin Coleman, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, guys like that who can, if things break right for them, have higher ceilings. Um, I don't disagree that he will likely beat this ADP when it's all said and done. I expect that him to finish uh, higher than running back 36. I just don't know how many boom weeks he's going to have specifically coming from a best ball perspective. Yeah, I could definitely, I could definitely see that. Um, I guess, I guess this pick is geared more towards redraft. He is going at a point where you're usually targeting you know some higher upside wide receivers like we just talked about and you're not really going to take a shot on a guy that like where his ceiling is you know relatively low I think we both agree that James White floor is it's his floor is higher but his ceiling is way lower especially with Jared Stidham at quarterback I just feel like he's a safe bet to get you you know 10 plus every single week 12, 13-point games, even throwing some 17-point games, 18-point games in there. 
But yeah, I definitely agree with that. He's not like a a boom running back that you know you're looking for if you if you go uh, running back heavy early. Yeah, that being said, if you don't go running back heavy, if you're drafting a bunch of wide receivers, you take a tight end high, stuff like that, and you're looking for that floor, I think he's a fantastic pick. So I guess it's really more of a roster construction question Mm -hmm. that varies roster to roster with me for James White. I've certainly taken him in some of these drafts, so I don't want to sound like I'm totally out on him. It's just not usually what I'm looking for in that range. But I I see the logic, 100%. Mm Mm-hmm. And I guess I'll talk about my next guy here, who's also kind of a floor play as well, but he's going extremely late, and that is Russell Gage. He's going after pick 200 on drafters. He's the wide receiver 87, and he's quietly turning into my favorite final round pick in best ball right now. I think he's the perfect high floor wide receiver to cap off a roster that you took some shots you know, on boomer bust wide receivers in the middle rounds, which I often do. Like, for example, I'm taking Henry Ruggs over Alshon Jeffrey in the mid rounds. I'm taking Hollywood Brown over Tyler Boyd, Darius Slayton, aka Godius, over guys like Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate. We've already talked about that. So, you know, I'm loading up my rosters with high ceiling players in the middle of the draft. And, you know, maybe, you know, I end up with Ruggs or Denzel Mims or some of these guys that I like. It's like, yeah, I, I think that I'll get big weeks out of them, but you know, I need some guys who are going to fill in the weeks where they don't catch the 50-yard bomb, you know, when I have three bye weeks on my on my team. And I think Russell Gage is the perfect guy for that role on your team. And, and there's guys going around him that are similar profiles, you know, Cole Beasley, you could say, Larry Fitz, D.D. Westbrook, if you still believe in him. But Gage is the guy I like out of that whole crop for a couple of reasons. One, I think that he's earned and solidified his role as the Falcon slot wide receiver. You know, he barely played to start the year last year. 20% of snaps or less in the first seven weeks of the season from week eight on, he was on the field for an average of over 60% of the offensive snaps per week. He saw five or more targets in six of the final nine games. The Falcons are going to air it out. That's what they do on offense with Matt Ryan and Dirk Cutter calling the shots. So I think he's in a good spot for volume. I think he's earned his role. And uh, I'm all about the Russell Gage as as sort of your final round pick, your high floor wide receiver eight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just can't believe that we're, you know, talking about Russell Gage in 2020. I know we talked about him a couple times last season when he uh, was filling in for some of the, you know, Falcons guys that were injured. He's a wide receiver eight, so it's not like he's going to kill your team. Right. With that being said, he is a career special teamer. He might have solidified himself as a slot guy, but I don't know how true that is. But if he plays, he he's a good bet to get four to five catches a game, 40 to 50 yards. And that's like nine, 10 points. And like you mentioned, with bye weeks and maybe some of your top guys have, you know, a bad week here and there. He should he should be solid all around. And uh, as your wide receiver, eight, he can get you seven, to eight points a week and. Who knows that that could that could win you a week. So you know, is Russell Gage, age twenty four, any worse than Mohamed Sanu has been for the Falcons at age twenty nine and thirty over the last two years? I don't know if he is. I, I could see him having a similar role where, yeah, he's clearly behind Julio, clearly behind Calvin Ridley. He has five catches every now and then, gets a touchdown, and and makes it way and makes his way into your uh, starting lineup. But yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be some some massive breakout. But don't <laughs> don't get it twisted. Nah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't mind the pick. I I think I think he could have some good weeks. Yeah. Uh, give me your next guy. My next guy is basically a James White clone, Tariq Cohen, running back for the Chicago Bears. 
is being drafted as the RB41, so a couple uh, picks later than James White, uh, 10 picks later to be specific. Um, So he's being drafted at pick 102, and this is like just a a strictly a PPR pick. He's had 70-plus catches the last two seasons, 104 targets last year, which was his career high. And why I'm kind of high on Tariq Cohen, even though the Bears' offense was, you know, I'll just say, like, shitty. The Bears' offense was just trash. He still finished as the RB33 on a terrible offense with a terrible quarterback, and he basically had a floor season, in my opinion. But he's a, I think he's a good player, and he's capable of pushing the top 20 just due to his receiving ability. Like, if he gets 80 catches, even and if he could push 90 catches, that's a serious upside pick at RB41. I completely agree with this take. I think I mentioned Tariq Cohen on the episode that we had James Brimacombe on um, as a player that I liked at his current ADP, and his ADP has not moved uh, in the last what, two months since we've done that show. Um, people are just not excited about Tariq Cohen, and I, I understand everything you're saying. I agree. You know, in my opinion, the way I see this Bears offense playing out is Nick Foles is going to start more games than Trubisky. And Nick Foles didn't get much of a run. He only got significant snaps behind center twice for Jacksonville. But in those two games, Fournette averaged 9.5 targets and eight receptions per game, including a season-high 12-target game with Nick Foles throwing to him. Cohen is an infinitely more effective pass catcher Mm -hmm. than Leonard Fournette. You know, he had 70-plus catches in back-to-back seasons in his career. So I think that he is absolutely a value play. I I like him more than James White straight up. Uh, I think that he has a little bit more touchdown upside, a little bit more explosiveness to his game. And, yeah, I I absolutely love Tariq Cohen. He could be this year's Austin Eckler. Maybe not a top-10 guy, but a guy that you draft late and pushes for nearly 90-plus catches. Yeah, see, he's just not going to get a lot of work on the ground which kind of caps his upside. Like Austin Eckler ended up getting yeah. a lot of a lot of rushing attempts, but the Bears have David Montgomery, who, you know, is gonna get fifteen to twenty rush attempts every game, but he's not gonna be a factor in the passing game. Tariq Cohen's obviously gonna be out there on the passing downs and he's an explosive player. So I fully expect him to sit around 70 to 80 catches this year. And like you mentioned, Nick Foles just threw to Leonard Fournette a lot in the couple games that he started for Jacksonville. So give me all of the all of the Tariq Cohen at RB41, especially if he can push into the RB2 category. I like it. I like it. All right. One guy left each. My final guy, I'm going to go quarterback right here. And, you know, this is going to be unexciting for a lot of people, but, but hear me out. Phillip Rivers. Okay, I get it. He's elderly. He's been in the league for a long time, just switched teams. I, I get it all. But... ADP of QB 27? Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. That is nutty. That is absolutely nutty. Over the last seven seasons, he's been a top 12 guy five times. Five out of the last seven years. Hasn't finished below QB 15 since 2012, and he's going as the QB 27. I mean, I'm not saying that Phillip Rivers is an amazing quarterback at this stage in his career, but I just think that he is going way, way too late. I don't know what people are thinking. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he could be playing behind the best offensive line that he's ever played behind this year with the Colts. You know, he's been playing behind some pretty questionable lines in the past 
for the Chargers. I mean, he's going into a loaded offense. T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman, Jack Doyle, Naheem Hines out of the backfield, a solid run game between Taylor and Mack. And I think he has a good offensive coach who's going to let him air it out. You know, Frank Reich ran the ball a lot last year, but I think that's because he's a sharp coach and he knew that he had Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, so he had to limit what Brissett was able to do through the air. I don't think he's going to, you know, restrict Phillip Rivers in that same way. I mean, when Andrew Luck was the quarterback when Reich was there, he let Luck air it out. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. Rivers is Luck, but I'm just saying that this is a coaching staff that will you know, put their players in a position to do what they're good at. I think Rivers is a sleeper sort of quarterback to take this team to the playoffs in a weakened division. And I just need him to have the same sort of fantasy production as he's had uh, in in dealing out the children. This man has nine kids, all right? So I just need him to be as efficient at... as efficient at scoring fantasy points as he is at bringing children into the world. So so that's my Philip Rivers take. Uh, agree or disagree? I mean, I like I said, like that is just ridiculous that he's going as the QB 27 on drafters. It is higher on some other sites, I will say, but you're still going to get him as the QB 20 or less. And like you mentioned, he's finished as a QB one in what, like, five out of the last seven years and that w- that was going to be one of my main points is what you mentioned like with the players that he has around him like it like looks very similar to the Chargers offense like T.Y. Hilton the Keenan Allen and then they have a big guy like Michael Pittman that resembles Mike Williams and Jack Doyle to Hunter Henry and then a couple good running backs. Paris Campbell's the burner that Tyrell Williams used to be. It's it's eerily similar. There's so many similarities between both offenses. It's just crazy if you actually look at the Chargers team of last year to the Colts team of this year. And like you said, he's going to be playing behind his best offensive line of his career. So I love Phillip Rivers this year. I think I think he's a great pick. And uh, T.Y. Hilton also made this list for me. Um, I'm expecting a big year uh, from Phillip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton. I think he's just, you know, he's just a Keenan Allen. Like Keenan Allen and him are the same type of wide receiver. It's it's going to be fun to watch him and uh, Rivers go to work. So I love Rivers. Yep, I'm all about him. He's the perfect quarterback, too, for basically any type of best ball build. Joey, give me your final player of this episode. Final player is a wide receiver on the New York Football Jets. I'm talking about Jamison Crowder. He is being drafted as the wide receiver 45 on drafters and other websites. That's where his ranking has fallen is our is the wide receiver 45, right? 122 targets last year with Sam Darnold and then who else started? Trevor Simeon and uh, I, I can't remember the other quarterback's name that, that came in for a game or yeah, two. I can't remember his name But either. he was atrocious. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 122 targets last year. Basically, his uh, his ADP, it, it, like it's like summed up from this Matthew Berry tweet. Well, it's like not like summed up, but he's just such a great value just from... I'm going to read this tweet. He was from week nine on of last season. He was the 14th best wide receiver in fantasy. So a high-end wide receiver too. He had four top 12 finishes, including in two of the final three weeks, right? So that's from Matthew Barry on Twitter. Wish I could see that, but I'm blocked. <laughs> Don't know what I ever said. I've been blocked for like five years, but continue. <laughs> and he's, so he's being drafted as what? A wide receiver four right now? 
and he has the potential to be a wide receiver too on a team where he's going to dominate targets. He's obviously the slot wide receiver. They have Brashard Perryman, and I know you're high on Denzel Mims, but mm-hmm. Darnold is he's just looking to throw to Crowder in the slot, just looking to get those easy yards. 122 targets last year. I love I love Crowder this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, he had a career high in reception, 78 last year. And yeah, like you said, I mean, he was playing with trash cans for most of the year. Sam Darnold, who is not elite by any stretch, was still able to put up those numbers. Sam Darnold's going to be healthy this year, another year in the system. Hopefully he takes another step forward in his third year as quarterback. And yeah, I think that Crowder is just his safety blanket. Crowder has a unique skill set compared to Denzel Mims and Brashad Perryman on that team. And his role is extremely secure. Uh, I absolutely love Crowder and and the range he's going. Yeah. And I know on our draft that we did with Pat, I drafted Crowder in the 15th round on Yahoo. I know it is a 10 teamer, but if you can get Crowder in the 15th or 14th or 16th round in your drafts, man, come on. that That's just that's, stri- absurd. that's straight stealing value. I, I don't know how else to put it. You're going to get a player who is going to probably get over 100 targets. Crowder had more targets than Chris Godwin last year. Oh, that's spicy. That's a spicy stat right there. Yeah, he had more targets than, you know, some of the big the big dogs in the NFL. So if he could sit around those targets, what what'd you say? He had eighty catches last year? Seventy eight, yeah. Seventy eight on hundred and twenty two targets. So that's fifty plus missed opportunities for catches. You know, some might be his fault. I would assume probably most are Sam Darnold's fault or the, whoever the Jets quarterback was at the time. It was uh it was Luke Falk. Yeah, the Luke Luke man. Falk. By the way, by the way, I'm looking at the numbers. Luke Falk had a better completion percentage than Sam Darnold. Uh, so I mean, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, Darnold takes another step forward, or else uh, his time as a starter might be up. <laughs> that, that's spicy. That could be a yeah. that could be an episode in itself. It, it could, and and you know, speaking of an episode in and of itself, there's another Jets wide receiver that I could talk about for a full hour. Perhaps we will do that next week. But I think that that is all we have for this episode of the podcast. I said it was going to be ten guys, but since Darius Slayton was on both of our list, it ended up being nine players that we believe are going to smash their ADP. If you missed last week's episode, you can find. The 10 players that we are going to be avoiding at their current cost. And uh, yeah, I think that's all we've got for this week. Like Joey said, at the top of the show, support the podcast. Follow us on Twitter. We just crossed the 500 mark. You can get us to 600. Instagram, YouTube, our personal Twitters as well. I'm at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You could follow me on Twitter at DFS. And that's all we've got for episode 74, we thank you for listening, and we will be back next week. Peace.